This is the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 108. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm your host, Monica Louie, and I'm bringing you another incredible interview. Today, my special guest is sharing about his failures, his funnels, and what it finally took for him to build a multi-million dollar online course business. But first, if you are new to the podcast and you don't know me yet, I want to welcome you. I am Monica Louie, and I'm a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist, and I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six, seven, and eight-figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook Ads, which is my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed more than $3 million in ad spend and served thousands of students and clients. And we are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. As you know, Facebook and Instagram ads are always changing. So if you want to stay in the know with all the changes that are happening, join my free email newsletter. When you join at monicalouie.com slash guide, you will get my free Facebook ad starter kit as a bonus. As I mentioned today, we are talking about how to build and scale a successful online course business. My guest is Jacques Hopkins. Jacques worked as an engineer for eight years before quitting his job and turning his biggest hobby into a highly successful online piano course. Pianoin21days.com has brought in over $2.5 million in revenue to date with over 7,000 students all over the world. Today, Jacques supports his family with the passive income from his online course while teaching others to do the same in the Online Course Show podcast. In today's show, Jacques shares how he went from six failed businesses to his seventh being a multi-million dollar success, what he did to 10X his business almost overnight, the four key components of a successful online course business, his relaunch magic strategy that leveled up his evergreen funnel and has helped others do the same, and a whole lot more. But before we dive in, I want to make sure that you know you can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 108. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E dot com slash the number 108. All right, here is my interview with Jacques Hopkins from pianoin21days.com. Hey, Jacques. Thank you so much for joining me on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. Great to chat with you again. How are you? You as well, Monica. Thank you so much for the invitation. Happy to be here. And I'm doing very, very well. I'm chatting with you. Come on. (laughs) Wonderful. So you are the online course guy. You're also the piano in 21 days guy. So tell people what you, what you do now, the the short run and we'll dive into it. But then I want to go back into your story and how you got into this online business world. Yeah. My, my main gig is, is called piano in 21 days. Uh, as you know, it's, it's a system, it's an online course and I teach people to learn piano 
quickly, as you can imagine by the by the brand name, without sheet music, without a lot of the traditional methods that are the things that take a long time to to learn on the piano. So um, I started back in 2013, and it was certainly a no on, uh, overnight success story, but slowly but surely found success. It allowed me to quit my job, do all kinds of cool things. And yeah, so today, like I, I tell people I'm an online piano teacher, which is wild because 10, 15 years ago, I would have thought you were absolutely absolutely crazy if you said that was in my future because I was a, an engineer for eight years and just kind of always wanted to start my own online business. And for me, this is just, this just happened to be the one that worked, uh, that worked for me, lots of failures along the way, but, uh, that's kind of the, the short version of the story of how I got to be an online piano teacher. So I'm curious, can you share some of your failures? How, what led up to figuring out the piano was the way to go because I know many of us kind of start in one place and then end up in another when we when we dive into online business. So what did you what did you test out that didn't quite work out in the early days? Yeah. So for me, like like I said, I was an engineer and like all my life I wanted to be an engineer. And and, and until until I read a certain book, I had no interest in being an entrepreneur. And and the reason I never wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I, I don't know if you or, or maybe some of your listeners can re- relate to this, but I always thought that meant like taking out a lot of debt or venture capital, lots of employees, lots of long hours, maybe a brick and mortar presence, and just none of that appealed to me. And so it wasn't until I read Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Uh, my senior year of college, getting my engineering degree. This was like 2007, 2008. That that kind of gave me a paradigm shift for what it could be to be an entrepreneur. It opened my my eyes to a different world I didn't know existed, where you didn't have to have all those things. You could you could have a very lean team. You could do a lot of automation and outsourcing, and a lot less headaches, and maybe work four hours a week. That all sounded very very appealing for somebody who's about to enter the workforce. But when I read that book, I already had my job lined up. So I went to work as an engineer all the while trying to create a business like he laid out in that book. And so that that brings us to those failures. And um, I, I started with, uh, I think, a blog of some sort. That didn't last very long. I learned very quickly that writing wasn't for me. I created an app, which actually worked and it served a purpose, but I, you know, I wasn't really much of a business guy, so I didn't monetize it in any way or really make any updates and, and keep up with it at all. So there's a couple examples. There, there's a couple of physical products as well that I tried to kind of invent. And I learned pretty quickly on those that physical products come with a lot of various headaches I wasn't willing to deal with, making prototypes, having inventory, things like that. And so with all of those ventures that I say failed, like they weren't mega failures to where like they cost me a lot of money because I, I spent very little on each one of them. But when I say failure, like not a single one of those made me a single dollar. And it wasn't until the seventh one that I actually made my first dollar online. And it's because I was I was actually working on my sixth failed business at the time. It was uh, it was early 2013. And I had been married a couple of years at the time. And, and I would come home from my job. And my, my wife was actually starting kind of a side hustle of her own at the time. And, and we'd come home from work. Um, she was she worked as an engineer as well. And she would she would pretty diligently like kind of work on her side business after work. But I, you know, I was kind of drained. Like it was it was hard for me to get motivated. Um, I worked a pretty demanding job. And so one day in early 2013, when I thought I should be working on that sixth business at the time, I found myself just playing the piano instead. And I was procrastinating by playing the piano. And so it just kind of hit me one day there in early 2013 that 
if this is what I come to when I'm like not motivated or don't, don't want to do anything else, then maybe there's, there's a business here. So that's, that's kind of how I got the idea through all the failures and then ending up on the, on the piano one. That's very cool. That's really cool. So you've tried a lot of things, but it sounds like even though you had tried a bunch of things, you didn't feel discouraged or did you feel discouraged? I mean, you kept going, you, you tested out six businesses that didn't work. And then you got to the seventh one that finally did. Did at any point you just say, or think, you know, maybe I should just stick to engineering or what kept you going? That's an interesting question. I I don't think I ever got super discouraged with those. To, To be honest with you, I think the point in time where I got the most discouraged was with the piano course when I finally so from idea to actually launching the course was about eight months, mostly because I had no idea what I was doing. But when I launched it, like the day I launched it, I didn't make any sales. And so of all the businesses I tried to create, I had then put in the most amount of time into this one and like was most excited about it, saw the most potential. And then the first day I launched it, like no sales, no money. So it was probably at that point where I was the most discouraged and and thought that maybe this just wasn't going to work out. And my life wasn't wasn't bad. You know, I was making I was making a good living. I didn't hate my job. Some people just like ab- absolutely hate their jobs. That wasn't me. I just knew I just just felt like there was something better, like more freedom out there. And so worst case scenario, if I just had to kind of give up those pursuits and go just stick with the, with the job, it, it was, it wouldn't have been all bad, but that that's kind of where I was. But fortunately things very slowly picked up, but that was probably the the low point. Interesting. Okay. So you launched this, what year was this now that you launched Piano in 21 Days? And was it called that at the beginning? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think I originally wanted to call it piano in 30 days, but that was kind of taken already. So I settled on 21. And so I got the idea kind of early 2013 and I first launched it late 2013. Okay. So launched late 2013 and it didn't make any money. How were you promoting it early on? How was I promoting it? Okay. Like I said, I, 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 really didn't know what I was doing. The the very little that uh, I knew about came from probably Pat Flynn's podcast, which uh, I know, I know you're, uh, you're pretty familiar with Pat. So I've been listening to Smart Passive Income for quite some time. And so I knew some very, very basic things like, Hey, have a lead magnet, have a, you know, landing page, start an email list. And so I did all those things at the beginning. I started a YouTube channel as well, put some like piano tutorial videos up there, had a call to action at the end to my freebie on my website in exchange for an email address. So I did some of those things while I was kind of developing and finishing the course. So by the time it was uh, ready, when I finally finished the course, was ready to say, hey, come and buy it. I had an email list of like maybe a hundred people. So I, I, I had a very like weak launch strategy. It was like one or two emails um, that I sent out to this very small group of people. Those are a couple of reasons why I didn't make a sale that first day. So I didn't know what I was doing at all the first year. I knew a little bit more the second year and I just you know, try to get a little bit better each, each day, each week, each month, each year and so on. So do you remember making that first sale? How long did that take? The next day. The next day. Oh, day two. Yeah, day two. Yeah, what happened is... I woke up the next morning. Well, th- that evening, I, you know, my wife could tell I was I was very disappointed, and it never crossed my mind I wasn't going to make a sale because I listened to Smart Passive Income, I listened to other podcasts, and especially back then, like 
the stories you would hear were the the Uber success stories, right? They're not going to highlight these stories where, yeah, they launched somebody launched a course and they made six sales over the course of a year. Like I, I didn't hear those stories, so I didn't I didn't hear them, so I didn't know they even existed. And so when I when I launched it, I I didn't immediately have like a million dollars in my bank account. <laughs> I got pretty discouraged. So I went to sleep that night, woke up the next morning. And so I had like a glimmer of hope when I woke up the next morning, cause I was like, okay, wait, like make money while you're, while you sleep. Like that's the goal. Maybe this is it. Maybe I made my first sale while I was sleeping. And I checked, I guess, probably my phone and um, still hadn't made a sale. <laughs> so I was like, shoot. <laughs> and uh, still very discouraged. My wife was like, why don't you try to get your mind off it a little bit? Why don't you run to Starbucks, get us some, uh, get us some coffee. I'm like, all right. So I go to Starbucks, I'm waiting in line and um, I got a notification on my phone there in line at, at Starbucks. And it could have been, you know, a text or, or an email or whatever, but it, it was a, it was an email notification that I made my very first sale. And I, I vividly remember that moment because I was just, I was so down based on everything that we've, we've talked about here. And that just completely shifted to just so, so up and encouraged because it was for the, for, for the first time, like I, somebody paid me money. Like I got, I got money that wasn't just my paycheck. Like somebody out there in the world, like trusted me with my content to, send me money, even though we'd never actually met. And so while it wasn't like this huge Uber success when I first launched, like that very first sale gave me all the motivation I need needed to get the next sale and then the next one, the next one and so on. That's awesome. That's great. That's a great story. And so how much was the course at that time? It was, I think I, I think I initially launched it at $97. I think that the deal was like, Hey, this is going to be two ninety seven, but for the first week or whatever, it's going to be 97. I think that's where it started. And by the way, I, I missed, I left out a really important part of that story. When I got, when I realized I made a sale there in line at Starbucks, I literally started dancing and everybody's like looking at me like I'm super crazy with that. I was like so excited standing in line there at Starbucks. I love that. Okay. So $97. And now to this point, how much has this course sold? I have over 7,000 students that have, that have paid and revenue wise through, you know, through the past eight years, we've crossed over two and a half million dollars in sales. That is awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. So, and I asked you that because I know you share it publicly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's revenue. Look, I mean, I'm I'm very clear that that's revenue. We, we spend a lot of money. I have a great team. I spend a lot of money on my team. Advertising is not the top traffic source that we have. We do we have a lot of organic traffic sources, but we spend a fair amount of, uh, on advertising as well, especially Google Ads. I, I know you're you're partial to Facebook Ads, so there's a lot of expenses built into there. It's not like two and a half million dollars in profit, but that is the revenue number. That's wonderful. Well, I mean, definitely validated the idea now. So, so <laughs> how did how did things change over the years? You said that it started slow, but then over time, to get to this point, things started to work better. And better. So what, what did you see shift over, over the years? Well, yeah, it was, it was very slow going for, for quite a while. I got to a point where I was making like two or three sales a month consistently, but that was like, just having this little side hustle wasn't really my goal. My goal was to be able to quit my job and focus on this full time. And so in like 2015, like a couple years later, like I'm just, it's, it's, it's okay. Like I'm making about a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars a month from it, which, you know, it's better than nothing, but it's, you know, my number was like, like 10,000. I would like it for it to make like 10,000 in order to safely, you know, quit my job. And so we had our first daughter mid 
2015. And the plan was always for my wife to stop working when we started having kids. And so she, she stayed home after that. And so now my income was the only income for our families, which has made it even harder to, to quit. And so by the end of 2015, I just, you know, I've been doing it for two, two and a half years. And I just felt like I needed more time. Like I needed, I needed more time in the day to spend on it, on spend on my piano business in order to grow it. The problem is that I worked a full-time job and didn't have that time. And that's, that was our family's income. But fortunately we had kind of, kind of saw this coming and like had somewhat been planning for it. And so we had been saving a lot of money and this was the big one um, that I, I wouldn't be here today like this, but we, um, we paid off our mortgage. So we were completely debt-free, including our house. And so end of 2015, we've got a baby. My wife doesn't go to work anymore. And I'm making about a thousand dollars a month is when I quit my job, not because that was enough to live on for us, but because we had, we had done those things. And so we, we were able to live very, very frugally, you know, no, no debt, no mortgage payment and, um, live very frugally and had a little bit of savings. So worst case scenario, I, I had a, we had about a year to make it work living like that. And so going into 2016 for the first time, I'm like my own boss. I, I call the shots. I remember that very first Monday morning after quitting my job, it was so weird because I was like, okay, like, what do I do? Like, I can literally do anything I want. Like I can take this thing any direction I want. I can even goof off if I want. I can just sit back and watch Netflix. It's all totally up to me. There's no boss breathing down my neck. There's no, there, there, there's no, there's nobody else. It's just me. And so even that, once I had the time, it was not some super fast success. And later in that year, like what month would it, I think it was like October that year, I still was making like about a thousand dollars a month. It, I was at that right at thousand dollars a month for quite a while. And so it was getting to be crunch time or I would have to go back to work. And that's, um, it was one day in October when, uh, my wife told me that she was pregnant with our second kid. <laughs> and so my very first thought was not a positive one. It was a negative one. Cause I'm like, Oh shoot, we need a bigger house. We need a bigger car. I'm gonna have to go back to work. Like the next day I literally started looking for job openings and, and I went, I even went on a couple of, of interviews, but at the exact same time I was implementing something that, um, that ended up working. And what happened is around that time, I'll mention Pat, Pat Flynn again. He, his content has been very influential on me and my, my, uh, my business. But there was an episode of the Smart Passive Income podcast where, Monica, are you familiar with uh, David Simon Garland? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So a uh, big course, online course guru guy. And, and um, he was on Pat Flynn's podcast. And he was, he was walking the listener through his exact evergreen funnel setup. And, and at the time I basically didn't even have a funnel. Like I, I, I didn't really know what one, one was like, it's kind of embarrassing now looking back how long I was in business online and like not even understanding what a funnel was. So I kind of learned about the power of funnels and more specifically evergreen funnels on that podcast episode. And, and David Simon Garland on that episode, like literally step-by-step just told everybody exactly how his working evergreen funnel was set up for his online course. And so I was like, well, hey, you know, he's got an online course. I have an online course. Like what, is there any reason I can't set, set up an evergreen funnel just like he's showing us? So, you know, I never like bought any of his courses or anything. I just listened to that episode three or four times and set up an evergreen funnel exactly like he laid it out um, there toward the end of 2016. And I mean, that, 
it was amazing. It was just just adding in that evergreen funnel literally 10x my business. I, I always I always like to say that there's four components of a successful online course business. And when, when you really boil it down, you've got um, traffic, um, you've got the course, obviously, you've got uh, you've got to have like student success and testimonials, but then you also have to have a funnel, and you really need all four of those dialed at, dialed in to have a, a really good online course business. And for me, the problem is, is, is I had three of those really dialed in. Like I had pretty good traffic. I had a good course that was generating s- successful students and testimonials, but I had no funnel at all. Like, you know, people would go to piano in 21 days.com. And it's like you either buy it or you don't like, there was not, there was nothing else going on there. And so with the exact same traffic course and everything else, just dropping in a really good evergreen funnel is what took it took the business from like one thousand dollars a month to um, to ten thousand dollars a month. So that was that was the really big game changer and the, the timing of it working out all coinciding with uh, my wife telling telling me she was pregnant with the the second kid and starting going job interviews was amazing. But that was the game changer and it's it's never it's never gone like below that amount. It's it's been pretty steadily growing ever since then. That's fantastic. That is so great. So is your funnel, I, has it changed much since, or is it pretty much, you know, fairly similar? Is it an email funnel? Is it a, an evergreen webinar funnel? What, what have you found to work the best? It's, it's changed surprisingly little since I set it up back in 2016. The, the type of funnel that he was talking about was basically like a product launch formula funnel PLF made famous by Jeff Walker. I, I didn't even know who that was at the time, but it was, it was an evergreen version of that. And so it's, it's like a three-part pre-launch content, three-part video series leading up to a five-day open and close cart period. The, that's the type of funnel that it is. The, the, the big thing that I have tweaked um, since then is adding in kind of an evergreen webinar to the first few days the the only weakness in the 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 uh, funnel that I originally set up is is people could not buy at all from the moment they opted in or landed on my website till about seven days in in the funnel in the in the email marketing funnel after they opt in and so now I kind of promote an evergreen webinar there at the beginning so the people that are really hot to buy can toward the beginning so it's basically you you know you opt in on the website for my free piano workbook in exchange for your email address and then all the magic happens via email over the first couple of weeks um, you know if you go to piano in 21 days.com and do that you'll get about an email a day for the first couple of weeks with the goal I mean the goal is really for you to either unsubscribe or or to buy and that's that's what it looks like even to this day very cool okay so have you ever tested like anything else, like just straight email or has it always, so it's now it's the evergreen webinar to the video series. Is that right? So they have the option to watch the web- webinar, but you sell the video series. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, they're opting in for, they're opting in for the workbook. Like my five, it's, it's called, um, learn 36 popular songs in five days. And it's been like that for a very long time. And they opt in for that and not knowing they're really even getting anything else. And then after they opt in for that, um, they get a very soft pitch for like the evergreen webinar, both via email and kind of at the end of the workbook. And then a couple of days after that, then they'll get like pre-launch video one and then pre-launch video two, pre-launch video three and so on. Got it. Okay. So Kate Kordsmeyer, who we both know, was recently on my podcast and she brought up your name. And this is why I reached out to you to come on the podcast. She said that you helped her with her funnel and she 
said that you have a relaunch magic. <laughs> I think I wrote that right. Yeah. Relaunch magic formula to kind of recapture people or kind of put them through the funnel again. And this is the way that she explained it. So is that something that you've since added onto your funnel? Um, and what does that look like? If you don't mind sharing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to share. Yeah. I call that process relaunch magic. And it, it answers this question. Like once somebody goes through your evergreen funnel, um, and, and by the way, I, I assume like most of your listeners probably know what an evergreen funnel is. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah. We've talked about that. Okay, good. I'll, I mean, I'll go on some podcasts and it's, um, they're not as like marketing heavy as yours. And, and I kind of have to really just explain what like a funnel is or evergreen funnel. But I, I think I'm thinking your audience is kind of in tune uh, of this type of stuff. So once they go through and they don't buy or unsubscribe, like what do we, what do we do with those people? Like they're just going to chill on our email list. Well, most people do, I would say is almost nothing. The second most popular thing to do is just kind of do a live launch to your whole email list, like once or twice a year. There's, there's definitely, definitely pros to, to that approach as well. But for me, I, I do a process, what I call now relaunch magic. And I'll be honest with you, Monica, like I've learned from a lot of people throughout the years, right? I mean, Pat Flynn is just one person, but I, I've learned from a lot of different people and almost everything that I've implemented in my business is just like something I learned from somebody else. Even, even when I'm like helping people with their online course, like most of what I'll tell them is like, I got it from somewhere else, right? But the one thing that I just kind of developed on my own based on my own common sense was this relaunch magic process. So what it is, is basically every month you're you're relaunching or repitching the course to a quarter of your list, right? So what that does, like if we compare that to maybe live launching to your whole list every tw twice a year, what that does for us is it evens out our income a little bit. So every month I have the income from the evergreen funnel, and then I have a, a smaller amount, but it's, it's still significant from my relaunch each month to a quarter of my list. But then it's also a better experience for the person on your list, your potential customer. The problem with like having an evergreen funnel and then still doing live launches is like, where do you draw the line? If, if somebody goes through an evergreen funnel today, but then I have a live launch already planned for next month it's kind of awkward for them to get a launch this month and then next month because part of launching is the scarcity. It's just not, a, not as good of an experience for, for the other side. Whereas with Relaunch Magic, when they go through the Evergreen Funnel and don't buy or unsubscribe, they're literally going to get repitched the course every four months forever until they buy or unsubscribe. And so every month, like I could, I could get sales... Uh, from the evergreen funnel, of course, but I could also get sales from people that opted in four months ago or eight months ago or 12 months ago or 16 months ago. I mean, I'll literally have people that opted in to my email list from like 2014, like still buying the course because of this relaunch magic process. So I've been doing it. I've been doing it since like 2016. That's it's one thing I implemented shortly after implementing the evergreen funnel. And it's just been working really, really well since then, um, as just like an extra supplement of revenue to that evergreen funnel revenue. And I've shown, I've shown several other people with online courses, including Kate Korsmeyer, how to do it and like help them implement it. And they're, you know, they're getting cool results with it as well. Yeah. She said that that was a game changer for her business that first of all, you know, establishing the evergreen funnel, but then adding that in definitely helped with more consistent revenue too. So for 
the funnel? Is it, you, you had mentioned open cart, closed cart. So is it like a deadline funnel where it's coming to close offer goes away, or is it like a discount that goes away? What exactly is going away after that? amount of time for me it's just it's it's always just been the course your ability to buy the course goes away and i use deadline funnel for that i the, the name of my campaign inside of deadline funnel has the date in it and the year is 2016 so it's it's been running very smoothly ever since then deadline funnel it's it always amazes me like knock on wood how well it works it very rarely breaks and their support is really really great as well so that's what we use to make the um the deadlines real and that's very important i know some people um, you know, I've been through funnels myself where they're like, Hey, this, you know, this course is going away. This bonus is going away. This price is changing at this time. And then you go to it the next day and it's like, it's still there. Right. And I, in my opinion, that's, that's not being ethical, but if you're true to exactly what you're saying, then you're good. So everybody's kind of got their own personal launch and because of deadline funnel, it works so well, it makes everything, everything accurate. And, and we do exactly what we're saying, say we're going to do. Perfect. Okay. So then when we have them go through the funnel again, is it the exact same funnel? Have you tweaked it a little bit for like the second time around, or is it just strictly they're offered the webinar soft pitch and then the video series again? You know, it's, it's, it's pretty much the same Monica, which is you, you would think that it would kind of grow stale on people, you know, going through the exact same relaunch process, same content, like over and over again, every four months. But what I've found is like when people, when people are ready to buy, they're kind of ready to buy. And, and if they're not, then they're not going to be as receptive to your, to your emails and your content. So I've, I've never once gotten, like had somebody complain like, Hey, isn't this the same exact like emails and videos that I saw four months ago or eight months ago? Like I've never seen that. So I've taken a pretty lazy approach and that is basically the same, same, same copy, same videos, same pages every single time, but it, it seems to work. Every once in a while, I'll just feel like mixing it up and I'll do more of like a live webinar funnel. Um, but that, that takes a lot more of my time and it, it maybe converts slightly better, but that's just when I have a lot of extra time to spend on that month's relaunch while I do something like that. But for the most part, it's the same. Okay. Even the email subject lines. Yes. Email subject lines. Okay. Yes. Everything exactly the same and it works. I got it. So I'm thinking with this process, because as you said, the goal is they're either going to end up buying the course or they're going to unsubscribe at some point. So you probably don't have to clean your list, go through that process because you know, if people are engaged and it, you know, why, why help them make that decision or do you clean your list ever? Well, it depends what you mean by clean your list. Like, can you, can you give me more details on what you mean? Yeah. So every once in a while, when I see like my open rate is starting to decrease on my newsletter, then I may go through a process of trying to re-engage people who are not opening my emails or ConvertKit says they're not opening my emails and then give them the opportunity to, you know, click to engage. Or if we don't, you know, if they don't take action, then we kind of wish them on their way and, and unsubscribe them. So that's what I mean by clean the list is like, go through your cold subscribers and kind of clean them up. Do you ever do that? Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm just making sure because I, I, I'm kind of fanatical about that, to be honest with you, this, this system that I laid out doesn't replace trying to keep a clean list. Okay. And so there's really three, there's three layers or three different times where somebody could possibly get like cleaned off of my list. So the first thing is I use a service called emailable. Have you heard of that? No, I have not. Emailable.com. And they, they can, they can help you, um, 
uh, I, I use Active Campaign um, for my email list, and so it syncs um, it syncs with Active Campaign, and within the first, the way I have it set up is within the first 24 hours uh, of you opting in, if, if it's just not a good email address, emailable will automatically unsubscribe you. So if like, uh, you know, those services that you can sign up for where it's like a temporary email address, uh, like Mailinator or so- something like that. Oh, I guess I don't. So, so if you if you just really want somebody's freebie, um, but you don't want to give them your email address, there's these services out there where you can just get a, a temporary email real quick, oh, really? and so you can get a, a like a very temporary email address, like it only lasts ten minutes, so that you can get the thing you opted in for. Well, those are not you, you don't want those types of emails on your email list because while your first email might get delivered successfully, you're literally the, the anything uh, beyond that is literally not going to get successfully delivered, which hurts your overall just like sender rating. And then also like, what if somebody types in their email address wrong, like makes a typo. And so every, like once a day, emailable, will just check all the emails that we got for the past 24 hours. And if anything's just not a good email address, it'll automatically unsubscribe them. And then the next layer we do is after the third email, which is probably about after the first three days in, in the Evergreen Funnel, we do, um, if you haven't opened any of the three emails, then we'll send one more email and be like, everything okay or something like that. And and then if they don't, after like 24, 24 more hours, if they don't open or click on that one, then we'll unsubscribe them um, because maybe, maybe it was a bad email address and an emailable missed it. Like we don't want to just keep sending emails to somebody who's not seeing our emails, right? We want people that open them and click them. And so um, they, they could get unsubscribed there. And then the last thing we do is anytime somebody's inactive for six months, right? If they haven't opened uh, an email, clicked an email or visited my website in six months, then they will get like a couple of re-engagement emails. And if they don't interact with those, then we'll unsubscribe them. So keeping a clean list, very important. Okay. Thank you for that. All right. So what tools are you using? We've already mentioned Deadline Funnel. You mentioned Emailable, Active Campaign. And so what tools are you using to sell the course? And also, what are your favorite tools for creating courses these days? Goodness. I love I love some good tools, Monica. There's there's so many. Let's let's I mean, we've talked about Active Campaign, Deadline Funnel. Let's talk about like online course platforms. Um, I've tried as many of them as I possibly can, mostly because, well, for two reasons. One is I want to make sure I'm using the the very best online course platform for my course, my piano course, but then also um, my podcast, the online course show, like I want to share those, those findings as well. So I've tried just about all of them that I can possibly try. And for the longest time, my course was actually on ClickFunnels, which is one of the worst online course platforms. It's pretty good at funnels. So I'm still using ClickFunnels today for like um, landing pages and kind of funnel pages, um, but I'm not using it as my online course platform any, anymore. Through all my resor- research and findings, I landed on a WordPress solution and it's LearnDash combined with BuddyBoss. One, uh, one goal I had in, in kind of this revamp I did a few months ago was to kind of have the course and the community in the same place. Um, instead of like having, I had my course and click funnels and my community on in a Facebook group and I kind of wanted it all in, all in one place. And as much as, uh, as many things as possible, like in this one location. So learn dash is what allows me to have courses and then buddy boss is the social component. So those are like WordPress plugins you can, um, you can have, and then 
there's, there's all kinds of other WordPress plugins that I have now on my site. So I'm pretty proud of what we've been able to make these past few months for the online course platform. Um, I was pretty hesitant about WordPress just because it can be very, very complicated. But as it turns out, it's it, it, under the right circumstances, it's really great because there's no limit to what you can do. Whereas if you're on like a Teachable or Kajabi, you're, you're limited by what, what their developers have programmed. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, definitely. Because you can customize more. I actually did the opposite. I started with WordPress because I didn't want my course to look like everybody else's course out there. And then um, I tested a few different plugins for WordPress and had trouble with things breaking, like not, you know, not connecting when somebody purchased, Mm -hmm. then they didn't end up getting the email very timely to give them their login information and all of that. It wasn't a very good like user experience for my brand new customer who had just paid me money. And so I ended up a couple of years ago transitioning to Teachable and then those issues kind of went away. So I guess pros and cons, but you didn't go that route. I So I'm curious to learn more. Well, yeah, pros and cons for sure. There's give and take. Like I, I long time ago, like when I first launched my course, it was a WordPress based solution. I, I don't know if you remember optimized press back in the day. Oh, yes, it, was, it, was, I do. it was popular back. I don't even know if it's still around. I don't know. That's when we looked at though. Yeah. And so eventually I moved my course off of WordPress and onto ClickFunnels, but then because of the reasons that you're saying, like it can be a huge headache and I resisted when I was doing my research here in the past, you know, eight months, I liked what I saw out of these like Buddy Boss and Learn Dash. But like, I was like, ah, am I really gonna go back to WordPress? Like, uh, it's it's just gonna break, right? But there was just way too many cool things that were possible to uh, at least not try it. And um, we've we've been up for three or four months now. It's going really well. We've got some really cool features that we built into it. I mean, just, just give you one extra example. Like, I don't know if you've heard of Buddy Boss before, but they have a, a part, part of what they offer is you can wrap the whole thing up and launch your own mobile app. So now, now really? there's, um, there's a piano in 21 days mobile app. That's the same experience as when you log in, it's got the courses, it's got the community, it's got everything right inside the mobile app and it's seamlessly synced. So like, if you go on the platform with, on your computer and you, you know, let's say you make a comment under the lesson and then tomorrow you open up the app on your phone, like this, your same comment's going to be there. It's, it's all the same database or whatever you want to call it. And, um, that was another goal of mine was to try to have, have a mobile app. So what I, what I tell people is like, don't start there. Don't necessarily start on WordPress. And if you're at that level, then you're probably going to need like a developer or somebody that really knows what they're doing to, to be in charge of maintaining it. Cause like, Mm -hmm if it just like, if it just goes down, like the server goes down or it just like stops working. Well, if it's like teachable, then you just jump on teachables support, you know, live chat and they'll get, they'll get it back up or whatever. Whereas with WordPress, it's kind of like you, you kind of own it now. So you've got, you've got to be, you've got to be aware of, of the things that could go wrong and kind of have somebody who knows what they're doing in charge of it. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. Okay. But no issues with apps talking to each other. Are you using Zapier to connect like with your active campaign or how does that work? I do use Zapier, but, but less and less, uh, there's very few things I'm still using Zapier for because, um, I've, I've kind of sunk into this WordPress world here, uh, lately, and there's a plugin called WP fusion, which, um, completely syncs your active campaign users with your WordPress users. So what that allows me to do is limit people from seeing certain things or having access to certain things just based on active campaign tags, which is really cool. There's also something called WP automator, which is kind of like Zapier for WordPress. So like automation type stuff is just all 
all inside of my WordPress platform now. Very cool. Okay. So that's what you're recommending for course creation. Maybe not start there, but eventually you could do this custom package it all together. Yeah. That's, that's where I am now. Okay. Very cool. But you've got the mobile app. That's really cool. Especially in 2021 to have a mobile app. Okay. So now for, for selling a course with your evergreen funnel and all of that, we've talked about click funnels, deadline funnel, active campaign. Is there anything else that you use for selling the course? For selling the course. I think those are the, those are the main components for selling the course. I mean, the funnel, like a funnel is just a combination of, of pages, videos, and emails. And so we've talked about where I build pages. We've talked about where I build emails. I mean, I host videos on Vimeo. So that's, okay. that could be another okay. one. The only other one that I can think of right now, like worth mentioning is, is I use Bonjoro. Are you familiar with Bonjoro? Oh yes. Yes. Oh yes. Like you use it. Oh yes. Like I've been, I've been sent Bonjoros, but I have You've not used it myself Bonjoros. yet, but I know yeah, about so- it. I know it's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's just a really simple way to send uh, like a super casual personal video to people. And so, you know, you mentioned selling. I don't, some people use it to sell. I don't use it to sell. I use it after the sale has been made. So basically if you sign up for my piano course within 24 hours, you'll get just kind of a personal welcome video from me. And that just really sets the relationship off on the right foot. People really, really are kind of blown away um, that I would take the time to do that personally. Cause I, you know, make three, four sales a day. I guess they don't know that, but um, that's a really important thing for me to do at this point. I've sent over 5,000 Bonjoros, but they take 15 seconds each. That service makes it really simple. So that's another uh, tech you know, piece of tech that I really stand behind. Very cool. Okay. Um, and so what about surveying your buyers and your non-buyers? Um, you had mentioned that one of one of the pieces that you have, in pl- have to have in place in order to have a successful online course business is you need to have those customer success stories. And so how are you capturing those? And then are you also surveying your non-buyers to find out more about why they didn't buy? Kind of two, two questions in one. Yeah, no, I got you. I am doing those things. I'm a like anything that I can automate, I will. Um, in fact, technically speaking, like that was my title when I worked. I was an automation engineer. We automated things. So that's kind of my thing. But what we do for what you're saying is let, let's from a from a testimonial standpoint, I use a service called Trustpilot. And I signed up with that service a few years ago because they're the well, they're one of the ones that allow you to possibly have like star ratings in your Google search results, whether it's organic or your like Google ads. And so that was really appealing to me to like actual potentially have star ratings there. So even if you throw out the star ratings, like it's a it's a third party site where people can go like leave you a text based review. So what happens is a month after somebody signs up for my course, they automatically get the Trustpilot email asking for a review. And so not everybody not everybody does it, but when you when when I send out uh, as many as I send out, you know, even if 20, 30, 40% of people actually leave a review, it, it really starts to add up. There's probably about 700 reviews on Trustpilot now, which is, I think it's important to have testimonials on your website, but also on third-party places as well, just so people can um, 
trust that they're that they're real, right? If you're going to buy a product and the only place on the internet you can find reviews for it is on your own on on that that product site, then uh, it could be just like some scam. And and by the way, my my brand to a lot of people sounds a little scammy, so I have to do <laughs> as much as I can to not not come across that way. So they'll get the Trustpilot email about uh, about a month later after signing up, and then. Three months after signing up, the, uh, an automatic email goes out. That's a little more a little more official. Just asking them to uh, fill out a, like a survey. Hey, tell us what you've thought so far the past three months. There's questions, you know, the standard like on a scale of one to ten. How likely are you to to recommend this? There's a question like, are you would you be interested in the affiliate program? But then there's, hey, would you be willing to to submit a written review? Would you be willing to submit a video review? So because it's set up in an automatic way, we're getting replies to that or, or survey responses to that pretty much every day. Certainly not everybody wants to submit a video review, but without that in place, like you can't, it's hard to get video reviews if you're not asking for video reviews. And especially with the piano, that's really, really important because um, people want to hear what my students sound like when they're playing. So those are the couple of automations I have in place to um, start the ball rolling with testimonials. And then to answer the other part of your question about just like kind of surveying even non-buyers, one email that goes out in my evergreen funnel is a couple, either two or three days after the last, like the last call email, like, Hey, this is your last chance cards closing in, in about four hours. About three days after that, there's one last email that's a part of the evergreen funnel. And the subject is just, you didn't enroll, question mark. And it's a pretty short email. I'm um, just saying, hey, you know, thanks for thanks for letting me take over your inbox the past uh, couple of weeks. I promise this is the last one for a while. Lots of people enrolled, but you didn't. Just curious why why that is. And so even to this day, we're sending that email out, just collecting um, collecting feedback on, hey, why, why didn't you enroll? So that's how we're, that's how we're getting those responses. Is that a survey email also, or is that just reply back and let me know? No, that's just, that's just reply back and let me know. Okay. And then for the survey, what tool are you using? Typeform. There's a lot of tools you could use for, for, for surveys and forms. I think Typeform is probably one of the pricier ones. It's just, I, I like the way that it looks, but that's, that's what we're using. Very cool. Okay. What are the biggest mistakes that you see online course creators making today? Biggest mistakes course creators are making. Not taking the time to build an audience is the first thing that comes to mind. If you're if you're a beginner and you want to get into online courses, intuitively it kind of makes sense. Like the first step should be to make the course. When in reality, the first step should be to like build your audience up. But that process is a lot more unclear on how to do it than it would be to like just go make a course. And so I think that's the main reason people do it that way. But it really stinks when you go through all the trouble to make a course and then launch it and like there's nobody to actually buy it or you don't make any sales. I mean, I, I was there. Like I know how how miserable of a feeling that is. So I think that if the goal is to make an online course and you don't have an audience already, then that's that needs to be the focus. Like start a podcast, start a YouTube channel and put out some consistent free content keyword is consistent and, and, and work on building that audience before you try to sell them anything. And of course, grow your email list too, from the get go. Yes. Perfect. Okay. So what are your current traffic sources? You had mentioned ads and organic. What are you doing right now to drive traffic to your funnels? 
YouTube is still the top traffic source. Uh, we release a new video every, every two weeks on the YouTube channel. Then we've got Google organic or, or just like SEO traffic. We've, we rank uh, on the first page for some pretty good terms, like how, how to play piano. So fortunately, we've got a good mix of both organic and paid traffic. As far as paid goes, Google ads are definitely the top. And, you know, for something that's as well known as piano, Google ads has, has seemed to have worked pretty well. We've been doing it for, for quite a while because people are actively searching for how to play piano, learn piano, terms like that. And so if, if they're actively searching for that, then we could put an ad right at the top. Better yet, if we have like an ad at the top and we have an organic result, that's good. I mean, I know you know the difference between like that and Facebook ads where it's more just like interruptive. They weren't necessarily looking for that thing. You kind of almost have to educate them on that thing. Whereas with piano, you know, people, people know what a piano is already. Uh, I'm sure Facebook ads could come in and, and help people understand what Piano in 21 Days is about. Not everybody knows what that is, um, but we don't rely as heavily on Facebook ads. Um, we do some Bing ads as well. We're getting into more um, more YouTube ads. And then the last thing would just be like some of our affiliates uh, and, and word of mouth. Okay. So what are you using for your affiliate program? Because now you're on WordPress. What are you using for your affiliate program to manage that? Well, you'll never believe this, but it's a WordPress plugin called Affiliate WP. Okay. And that's cool because like now inside my platform, like the community's there, the course is there, my live streams are there, the affiliate program is there. So like if, if any one of my students wants to promote my course, like all the information is right there. It's all in the same place. Very cool. Okay. So in your live streams, how are you using those? What are you using for your live streams? Yeah. I, I used to, when I first started doing them, I used Facebook live because that's where my community was. That was pretty straightforward. Then um, as we were transitioning, I started using zoom, but I mean, zoom works, but I don't like the chat in zoom because like you, you have to hit the drop down to select all panelists and attendees. If everybody's going to see your chat and it just, it, it wasn't simple. Like I love simple, right. And, and my audience, something like 80% of my students are over 55 years old. All right. And I, and I, and I mean this with no disrespect, but they're not typically the, the most tech savvy group. I, I love them to death. My students are amazing, but they, they skew older and, and less tech savvy. And so simple is, is really important. So just, uh, just a simple, page um, built with WordPress. Uh, and we use um, Vimeo Live to, and then we just embed that video and then chat roll, which is another WordPress plugin. So it's just a simple page with a Vimeo Live going with chat roll, video and chat. That's all you need for a live stream. Perfect. Awesome. Very cool. So what is your, I'm curious about the seasonality of your business. Um, I know before we hit record, you mentioned that with the pandemic, it actually helped your business, which I've heard from a lot of hobby niches that people, you know, were starting to spend more time at home and had more time to dive into hobbies that they had been, you know, wanting to pursue, but didn't feel like they had the time before. So does summer here, now that we're going into summer now, is summer a good time for you? What is, what does the seasonality look like? No, my summer is the worst time in my business. Really? Typically. Now there's not a huge, there's not huge swings. It's, it's fairly stable throughout the year, throughout the months. But if there is like a peak period and a low period, 
the peak is January. There's no question about that. And I don't know this for fact, but I could only guess it, it has to do with like New Year's resolutions. Like, hey, I'm going to learn how to play piano this year. So right at the end of December and, and all of January, that's always my best time. And then um, my worst month is usually around August. The summer gets pretty low and, and, the, and um, August is usually the lowest. And then it picks back up going back to the end of the year. I guess just like kids are out of school, people are traveling, they're not at home as much. In general, that's the way my business works. Now you mentioned the pandemic, you know, you throw out everything with with the with the pandemic. Last April, last March, April, and May were the three best months I've ever had. And it's not even close. Everybody's staying at home, looking for things to do. And my, the, just the, the traffic coming to my site during those three months was insane, like five times normal. Sales were just way, way, way up. Um, it, was, it was a fun time as far as business and piano goes. Obviously, a lot of people struggled in a lot of different ways, both, both business and, and, and with you know, getting, the pen, getting, getting COVID and whatnot. But a, a lot of people were, were interested in learning piano at that time, both new students and my old students were like reinvigorated by learning too. And I give my students lifetime access. So that was the best months we've ever had. It's, it stayed pretty high through most of 2020. Um, now we're over a year later, I would say things have kind of settled back down more to, to more normal level levels. And I'm expecting kind of a, a lower summer like normal and then pick back up, you know, toward the end of the year and, and January, 2022 being back to a really good month. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I've learned so much with this episode. Thank you so much for sharing all about your journey and figuring out the funnels and all of that. It's super helpful. Where can people go to find more about Piano in 21 Days and also uh, the online course show? Yeah. So just pianoin21days.com. And then my like side hustle to that is is my little podcast, the online course show, where I talk online courses and and the most most of the time interview successful course creators. Um, you you've been you've been on the podcast, great episode. Um, so those are the two places. Just search up the online course show or then piano in twenty one days Perfect. Thank you so much, Doc. So great to chat with you. Same here, Monica. Thank you. All right. I want to give a huge thank you once again to Jacques for coming on the podcast and sharing his journey and his wisdom with us. Be sure to check out what he's got going on at pianoin21days.com and you can find his podcast at theonlinecourseguy.com. We covered so many tactics and strategies in this episode. I would love to hear what you're going to implement first. You can share those with us in the comments at monicalouie.com slash 108. And you'll find all the links and resources that we mentioned in this episode at the show notes, again, at monicalouie.com slash 108. And thank you so much for joining Jacques and me today. If you are ready to scale your business with high converting Facebook and Instagram ads, then check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. You can find that at monicalouie.com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through these six simple steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus there's an awesome checklist so you can make sure you've got everything you need before you dive into the ads manager. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest ads, go to monicalouie.com slash WWM. We have information there about our services. And on that page, you will also find information about our flourishing funnel audit service. So if you'd like another pair of eyes on your funnel, let my team of ads and funnel experts review your existing funnel to let you know exactly what changes 
will make the biggest impact to your bottom line. Again, you can learn more about that at monicalouie.com slash WWM. And as I mentioned, I'll have all the links and resources in the show notes at monicalouie.com slash 108. If you found this helpful, be sure to follow the show in your favorite podcast app so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I am bringing you my interview with a serial entrepreneur who's been building online businesses since 2006. He's got a wealth of knowledge that he's sharing with us about blogging, SEO, software as a service, and a whole lot more. So join us for that. So join us for next week's episode of the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. That's all for today. Take care, stay healthy, and let's flourish.